Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. So let's just read the title together today. Jesus, our rescuing shepherd. Okay, so we want to think about that. We want to think about, about rescue. And as, as I asked around a little bit, I sent a, a few messages out just asking people, so give me a good one for rescuing from a certain place because I have reasons for that. And, and so a bunch of things came back, but one I liked the most was about this. Now, some of you are not old enough to remember this, but a number of us are, okay? And that was an event that happened back in 1987 in Midland, Texas. Baby Jessica, remember? Would you play the video? No sound? She stayed there for 59 hours. She was starting it's to been develop. almost 20 years ago. In some ways, it's hard to believe that it's been that long. Coming back to the site, now having a child of my own, gives me a whole new perspective. In October 1987, I was only 18 months old. Completely unaware of what had happened to me, my memories are simply the stories told to me by my parents. I could not have imagined what would have been going through their minds. At 18 months old, while playing with other kids in my aunt's backyard, I fell down a 22-foot abandoned well. I was wedged in the pipe for 59 hours. There were so many people that came together simply to save me. Rescuers piped fresh air and heat down the pipe to me while they labored nonstop to get me out. While I was in the well, gangrene had set into parts of my right foot. Among the 15 surgeries I had the few years after the incident was the removal of my small toe and a portion of my right foot. There is one scar that is visible to all. I carry around a scar on my forehead. I could have it erased by plastic surgeons, but I want to keep it. It shows who I am and the fact that I am here and that I could have not been here. It makes me feel lucky that I survived it and happy that I did. At times, it still amazes me, the attention and emotional involvement that surrounded my rescue. I think, I think that people cared so much for me because they would hope that somebody would care that much about them. In a way, helping me out and caring about me helped them out. Thank you for getting this out. Much better. All right, so um, for that, why do I use that? Well, it's just easy to think of her kind of playing over there and then getting lost is a reminder for us that sometimes we need to be rescued. Today is all about rescue. And I want us to think about, first of all, how does that rescue happen? And then secondly, what do we need to be rescued from? What do we need to be rescued from? And for us, oftentimes, we, we came in and not long ago, we were confessing our sins. What did we need to be rescued from? Our wandering. It was actually even in that uh, time of absolution, confession and absolution, I think, where you, you said these words together. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
Have you at any point this week said, I know what God's word has to say, but I'm going to do what I want to do? Now, you didn't officially do that. Okay? I'm pretty confident no one said, I know God's word says I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. Okay? But did anybody here know better than to make a judgmental comment or thought about somebody else and did it anyway? Do I have to even give another example? That one strikes most all of us, right? So we have these sins that we do, and so we know the right way. Jesus says, come follow me, and we say, later, right before I die. Can I just live my life like I want to, and then when I die, I'll quick say, dear Jesus, please forgive me, and everything will be great? I've actually had people talk with me that way, not here. It's amazing. Like we happen to know when we're going to die. Or we happen to care so little about Jesus that it doesn't matter what he wants. Wandering. Pretty easy, pretty clear. That happens. How do we fix that? I mean, Luke 15, as it starts, it tells that story about the hundred sheep losing one, and he leaves those. The shepherd is so faithful. The shepherd is so good. He leaves the 99 to go after us when we're lost and brings us back. He cares that much for us. We have a rescuing shepherd. So some of us, as we've gone through this week, we come to church and we're like, yeah, I need to be rescued from my wandering ways. That would be one. But you know, when you look at that Ezekiel passage, we have this rescuing shepherd and, and we need to understand what's going on there. Okay? And so I was really happy that the people gave me the Jessica story because there's another story of a, another well or a cistern, really, And this is a cistern that Jeremiah finds himself in. And Jeremiah is one of those who are speaking to God's people in Israel about what's going on, saying, this city is going to fall to the Babylonians. Now, please go with me. I want you to, this exile thing is such a huge thing. You hear about it from me again and again and again because it's such a massively important thing. So the people of Israel were not living right. They were not connected with their God and they didn't love their neighbors well. Remember, live in the L. Trust God, love our neighbors. Okay, so that wasn't happening. They had other gods doing all these other things. And so while that was going on, God said, okay, first a little group of people is going away, kind of the the royalty, those in good standing, the smart ones, all of that. They head off to exile first. But there's a majority of people left in Israel. And if they don't repent, they'll also go. Well, in Ezekiel 34, that that was read for you this morning, Right before that, God says to the people, right before that, he says, the shepherds are are wicked. They're evil shepherds. So you know what? I'm going to be your shepherd, God says. I'm going to do what my other shepherds don't do. Because all my other shepherds care about is their stomach, themselves. How well are they doing? You know, as I read that as a pastor, that's a little bit convicting. Could I do a better job of loving you? Always. Do I spend far too much time on me? Repeatedly. And so it's very convicting to hear that message. And he says, I'm going to be your shepherd. And he says, because you've been taken away and been all these other places. Jeremiah was speaking against these false leaders or these leaders that were doing a horrible job. He's speaking to the people saying, repent, turn back to God, repent, turn back to God. And they would not listen. And so to keep them from talking, to get him out of the way, they took and threw him in a cistern. 
Sometimes we need rescue from what we do wrong in our wandering. Sometimes we need rescue from what others do to us. Jeremiah did not just fall into that cistern. He was thrown in there, let down into that cistern by others. He got down in there, and the cistern that's supposed to hold water was full of mud. And he would have died there if it wasn't shortly thereafter that someone pulled him out. So think about it. Who are those around you? Do you come today as one who's not so much just wandering away on your own? Yes, you do a little bit of that. But you're one whose life has been seriously impacted by someone else who has, as it were, threw you in. Does that ever happen? You're not talkative this morning. Does that happen? Yes, sure does. Okay. Well, I have a uh, reminder that in those moments when we need that rescue, Jesus is the one who comes as your shepherd, who delivers you. Sometimes he delivers you from the problem, what other people bring upon you. Sometimes he delivers you through the difficulties we face. We learn to cling to him as we go through these things for our strength, for our hope in him. The one who promises, like I told the kids, that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. We trust the one who brought his people back from exile, just like he said he would. We trust the one who helps us to see a bigger picture than just the narrow one of ourselves. I know of someone who went to a psychiatric hospital. And as they were in the hospital and they were doing some group time, all that the other people could do while they were in this group session was talk about how poor the staff was caring for them. And they would complain and they would grumble and they would grumble and they would complain. Does that ever strike home for us? When someone doesn't treat us well, are we just really prone to grumble and complain because of look at how we're being treated? No? Yes? Let's just do, just to kind of get you with me because I feel like I'm losing you. How many of us are grumblers and complainers? Okay. How many of us are lying? Okay, so good. That covers most of us. Some are not grumblers and complainers. That's great. So as we struggle with grumbling and complaining, you know what this young person did? They began to be kind to others and to encourage others to be kind. Do you know people that are grumblers and complainers and they continue to be grumblers and complainers and again and again and again are continually grumbling and complaining? Do you know what sometimes happens? They grow up to be bitter. And it's really hard to be with them. But you know what? God gives us a great gift. We're actually going to pray it not long from now. Do you know what that prayer is? It's the Lord's Prayer. And as we pray the Lord's Prayer, do you know what it says? It says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Oh my goodness, God is the rescuer because he comes to forgive us so that, you know what we can do? We can stop being bitter. We can actually share the gift we've received with those who don't deserve it, just like we don't deserve it. Right? Or can any one of you stand before God on your own and say, I deserve your love and your mercy? I don't think so. Okay, maybe one. Okay, maybe. I'm do it. Okay. But for the rest of us, you know why we stand before God? Because he's a gracious and merciful God who doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. And you know what he empowers us to do? 
as he rescues us from our condemnation and judgmentalism, he sets us free to forgive those who sin against us. And you know what? Just like Jeremiah was lifted out, when you and I learn to forgive and set other people free, there's like a side effect. I don't forgive someone for my benefit. I forgive them for theirs. And the side effect of that medicine of forgiveness is that I'm free too. How many of us today are in the pit and need God's, Jesus the rescuing shepherd to deliver us from what someone else has done? Finally, and this is, this is like the most exciting part for me. You might think this is not a big deal, but this is like, when I read this, I thought, oh my goodness, this is so powerful. So in the first part of Ezekiel, read Ezekiel 34, please. As you read through that first part, it's about these wicked shepherds. Okay? Then you get to verse 11 through like 16. It's talking about the devastation that the, the flock goes through. And then Ezekiel does this amazing shift. Okay? Let me read what he does. Verse 17, he says this, As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough, is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture, that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture, and to drink of clear water, that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? He paints this picture for us of fat and skinny sheep. And I don't want you to think of that in a way of your physicality. I want you to think of that in a way of your personality and way of being. You know what the fat ones were doing? Pushing the skinny ones out of the way. We're going to check how this works when we have potluck here in a few minutes. Okay? So we're going to check on that. So the fat ones were pushing the other ones out of the way, okay, saying, this is for me. You know what the most powerful word there is? You. You, my flock. You know what? Sometimes we need to be rescued from our waywardness. Sometimes we need to be rescued from what other people are doing to us. Sometimes we need to be rescued from ourselves and our own sinfulness and the way we treat one another. Think of how we treat one another in our families, Christian families. Think of how we treat one another in our body of believers here at Redeeming Grace. Think of how we treat one another as fellow Christians out there in the world. Are we busy butting heads, dirtying water, making life miserable for them? Is that true? Is that something you need to be rescued from today? Because do you know how God, how your rescuing shepherd is doing that for you? He's bringing a word of judgment. We're like, how can God judge me, rescue me through judgment? That doesn't make sense. How can God rescue me through judgment? You know how? All heaven rejoices when what happens? One sinner repents. Oh, my goodness. Maybe what needs to happen for you today is maybe what you need to hear is a word of conviction, a word of saying, repent. How you treat one another, repent. And he says it right to you. You, flock, repent. Ah, pastor, I don't want to. 
You know, when we blow things off, when we just say that's not important, sometimes when we blow things off that are really important, that we choose not to think are important, they come back to bite us. Health-wise, relationship-wise, relationship with God-wise. Luke 15, that's Ezekiel 34. Let's go back to Luke 15 for a second. Jesus is speaking this, and he's speaking really to the Pharisees. Because you see, these, these other, these tax collectors and these sinners are coming and spending time with Jesus. And the Pharisees are grumbling and complaining about it. And he tells these parables as a way of helping them to see that they're not the 99 righteous ones. They're the sinner who needs to repent. And so these stories are told again and again the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, to bring it to home that they might see their need. You know what Jesus says? He says about those Pharisees that the tax collectors and the prostitutes are getting into the kingdom of heaven before you. Matthew chapter 21. And Matthew chapter 23 talks about these Pharisees who go out and they, they go over land and sea. They go all this place to convert someone to their way of thinking. And then he says this, and you make them twice as much a son or a child of hell as you are. You know what that is? That's a strong rebuke. That's a strong correction. That's a strong word. Maybe we need that. Think about our interaction with, interaction with one another. Galatians 6 reminds us that if we see someone in any trespass, any caught in any sin, that we who are spiritual should rescue them, set them free, do what we can. How many of us, when we see a brother in, in, in caught in a sin, and they're caught in it, and they're caught again and again and again in the sin, in the struggle, how many of us are like, good luck to you? Sure, I'm glad that's not my problem. Does that ever happen to us? How many of us deal with somebody who has an ongoing sin problem and they, they continue to struggle in that sin the same way? Thank you, Jackson. All of us do. And how many of us seek God's mercy and patience from God like nobody's business? And I really want you to be patient with me because I have a fear of man problem. You know that. I've shared before. Okay? Would you please be super patient with me? However... If you have a problem, I don't really want to treat you that way. Why don't you just get over it? How stupid and childish are you? Can't you get past that? Is that ever said or thought in your houses? In the church? Do we, ever, do we even recognize who we are as fellow strugglers as we deal with others saying, would you please hurry up and get over that? Or how about Luke 17? Romans 12, Romans 12 is awesome. It says to us that we should live lives of living sacrifices. You know why? Because of God's mercy. Have I sacrificed for someone that really frustrates the bejeebers out of me? Do you know what a bejeeber is? I don't, but I use the word every once in a while. Okay? Do you have people that frustrate you so much and are you finding it that you'll sacrifice for them? Cool. I struggle. And lastly, Luke 17. You know, sometimes, and I've actually had this happen to me, 
and I'm so happy. When I've blown it, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, you blew it. Which means you love me because you'll tell me that. That's awesome. And you'll rebuke me. You'll gently correct me. Just a question. Who in your life and mine will we not rebuke? And is it possible that we won't rebuke or correct them? Not because we don't want to, because we don't think it's our place. But because there might be a lack of love. You know, when God does his convicting work, when God brings his rebuke into our lives, it's always for us to repent so we might enjoy the freedom and the hope and the joy that we have because not one of us actually can live our entire life and not need to be rescued from these three things at some point. You might come and, honestly, I'm just kind of judgmental, so I don't think that anybody is here today that doesn't need to be rescued from at least one of them. (laughs) But there's some of us like me who come in today needing rescue from all three. And I just want you to know, I want you to know That no matter how physically big you are or how physically small you are, Jesus' shoulders are big enough for you. (laughs) For you. That rescue isn't partial. That rescue isn't maybe. If you just change and you promise never to do it again and you do it all right this time, that's not how he comes. He knows that when he takes you and puts you on his shoulders and rescues you, from wherever it is, that you're still a sheep. And you know what sheep are? They're prone to stray. And you'll probably need to be rescued again. Thanks be to God that we have an awesome rescuing shepherd. Amen?